Welcome to the Hinsdale Local Podcast, where we explore the journeys and stories of entrepreneurs and their businesses here in Hinsdale, Illinois. I'm Brent Stutzman, your host, and today I am joined by Patrick Fortelka. That's correct. All right. Co-owner and creative director at Moment Design. Welcome to the show, Patrick. Thanks, Brent. Okay, so I need to share with our audience uh, how Moment Design became a daily reality in my life. And it's not because our offices are right next to each other (laughs) here in Innsdale. So I live close to North Street, which is in the Monroe School District, Mm -hmm. okay? And uh, there's these beautiful homes that were there. And then within a period of about a month, those beautiful homes were gone. And they were knocked down. And new construction started. And then um, well, my wife and I would take these long walks with our kids. And I saw your logo started popping up on one of them. And then almost adjacent, there was another house that was going up uh, with another one of your logos. And I was like, moment, man, Patrick is, he start, he's everywhere. This is a thing. And so um, uh, I asked you about it, oh, several weeks ago. And <laughs> I said, hey, I see one of your houses going up. And you said, oh, oh yeah, that north. That's a tricky one because they're doing a double basement. <laughs> <laughs> so you do a few of those. <laughs> and I was like double basement all the way. Tell me more about this. And then we start talking about, you know, the water and sub pump and all this other stuff. So uh, fast forward several months and I'm reading in the Hinsdale magazine that uh, the the doctor that was featured was the doctor at Hinsdale Orthopedics. And I can't remember. And he said, and, and the, I can't remember his name, but uh, you might remember. <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. Yeah. Patel. Patel. Yeah. Oh yeah. Patel. And, um, Anyways, in the write-up, they're saying, he's like, I got my dream team. I got Moment Design. I'm like, Moment, Patrick, what? So I'm seeing you in there. And then I'm seeing flyers from realtors saying, you know, that your logo's in that and some of the houses. So I was like, all right. So I jumped on your Instagram and I started looking at all the pictures that are on your Instagram feed. And I was like, my goodness, these are all the homes that my wife and I love the most. Like we're walking around the Monroe area and we're like, he built that, his team, what, he's that home, that's Matt, that's Moment, that's Patrick. I was like, that's, so that's how you became a part of my daily life. It's not because we're neighbors here, but it's well, the fact it. that I see your, I see your design, I see really your beauty in, in making this Hensdale, at least the place that we, part of we live in Hensdale, like this beautiful place to live, because yeah, we have these beautiful homes that we get to look at as we walk yeah. around. And I'm, and I, I want a double basement. Like, how do I get a double <laughs> money it fixes every problem <laughs> well okay so that's how um that's how you became a part of my daily because i drive by your homes every day we walk by your your homes every day so uh but i want to kind of back up to the beginning so as we think about uh, as i think about in my life where i'm at now in my vocation i can usually kind of tie these threads back to childhood something in my childhood or teenage years something i gravitate to so i'm curious as as an architect, as a designer, I'm curious if you could point something back to something you enjoyed as a child or your teenage years that was kind of forming you and kind of pointing you in this direction. Um, not entirely. I will say growing up, I was always artistic. I always loved to draw. Um, I would compete at our local um, 4-H club um, for the county fair. We would have um, actually arts and crafts and drawings as part of the county fair competition, along with some of the animals that we had as well. Um, and always loved doing that. Um, when I got into college, I decided 
I would like to make more money than an artist. So I decided I'd go into business and marketing like Brent and oh, become wow. wealthy someday, and, <laughs> you know, have my own podcast <laughs> um, and was in business school for three years. And I was a junior and I had a very good friend um, that had already graduated and started his own architecture firm. And he knew I had um, some ability to draw um, and he was in a bind um, labor-wise, trying to get a set of drawings out, you said, can you help me draw? I've got some plans I need to get out. And of course, I said, I do not know how to do architectural drawings. And he said, you do know how to do architectural <laughs> drawings. You just don't know it yet. And he set me up with a desk. And in two hours, I was doing electrical schematics. And then the next day, I was doing um, wall sections and floor plans. And one thing led to another. I switched majors probably two weeks after that. Um, wow completely flipped my life and decided I'd become an uh, architect instead. So I had to kind of reboot um, college, which um, took a little bit more time. Um, but again, it was a kind of a surreptitious route to where I ultimately ended up in life. So um, kind of a life lesson yeah. there too. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, this is before YouTube, obviously. And so you had to, how, do, how does one just start drawing? I mean, did you have like a an idea, like a template, this is what electrical schematics are. You're just doing some deep research on the fly. Um, and I would say that people that are kind of talented in architecture, and I think a lot of them would agree it comes naturally to some degree. I have people that work for us right now that it's, you can just give them an idea and they can glean your thoughts um, mm. from the spoken word. I work with some really talented carpenters that are like that too, that we can communicate very succinct ideas because they can picture things in their heads. And that's mm. what architects are really good at is that spatial um, kind of understanding. And then it's just putting pencil down to make that space become reality 2d. So um, yeah, it was, it's interesting. And having that drawing background, of course, is yeah. super important too. Cause I draw, I still draw by hand every single day. So oh, yeah. yeah. Oh man. That's one thing I could never, uh, do well. I, my, my background is actually music. And so my ability to hear and play and make beautiful things with the music that was there, but I could, I could never draw. It was really frustrating. I was always curious. I was amazed by people who can actually conceptualize something and then make it happen. Um, whether you're a street artist or, you know, architectural yeah. designer. That's the cool thing about architecture is that it's not that just the conceptual thing that we draw that is the art. It is the ultimate building or structure that comes from those drawings, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. It's not just a painting. You're actually doing this drawing that becomes a real thing. Right. Which is, Something very physical, yeah. right? And, yeah. And most of it isn't great. We look around, you know, kind of architecturally speaking, there's a lot, not a lot of architecture in our day-to-day -day lives that is impactful. Um, in fact, 99% of it isn't even good. And a mm. registered architect designed that and drew it. Um, the stuff that we're doing, we're really, we want to impact people's lives and what you said earlier, um, do beautiful things um, through that creation. So that's kind of our, our niche. I think all architects should be doing this. But. Yeah. You know, I have another architect friend and he thinks in that, like in space, not just being able to use a space, but like, what is that space communicating? Is it like a peaceful space, right? Yeah. Like, is it, what are you um, looking at? How yeah. Does it make you feel? Yeah. And uh, he had us over to his home in Oak Park and my goodness, it's like, you don't want to leave. Like, it's just beautiful. You can just relax. And there's something, you know, not to get too psychological, but there's something like knowing that I work with a lot of therapists, it, they talk about creating a safe space 
to actually do therapy. So if you're going to do your therapy work, you actually need to create a space of safety. And, you know, there's rooms, the way therapists like to have their rooms is, you know, sometimes over stuffed couches or whatever, but they're creating a space where they can, someone could feel safe to enter into trauma or, or talk about the trauma or whatever might, might be. And with Susan upstairs, it's like, she's creating space for kids to be able to work on the things that they're going through and usually using play therapy to do that. So, um, okay. Yeah, that's, that's really fascinating. So, okay. So my next question then would be, um, I I saw (laughs) on the LinkedIn, um, moment design has been around for just maybe about like five years, something like Um, that. If even that, I think we're four years in right now. Um, I was with another architecture firm, Two others, actually. The last one I was with for just shy of 20 years. Wow. Um, and kind of came up through the ranks of that company and kind of headed up the entire residential um, division. Um, while I was at the last firm, um, my current business partner, Raina Bradford, was at that same firm, um, had been there for at least 15 years. So we kind of created their um, custom high-end residential wing. Um, and after some time we kind of looked at ourselves, like, why are we doing this here? We could do this on our own. <laughs> um, and at the time we we're doing very well there, mm-hmm. um, beautiful office, wonderful people, um, lots of friends there. So it was a, a major, um, change in our lives, mm. very risky, mm-hmm. um, as well. And, um, <laughs> scary time. And I'm, you know, I was, uh, at the time, maybe. I think 48 or something. So not a great time to be making a life change. It's a time <laughs> right, you peak at the career. Ending. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so a lot of risk there. Um, but literally the day that uh, we left, we got a call for a couple big projects and it's been full steam ever since. So yeah, just well, should have done it years ago. But. Yeah. Okay. So that's interesting because yeah, something comfortable job doing really well. And then you start like, I can do this on my own. Uh, but take us like, what was that? Like the mindset that you had, because it's, you know, when I, it's burnout. Yeah. Just total burnout. Um, Mm. that I had been doing this so long and architecture, especially the work that we do is super stressful. Um, Mm -hmm. our client based is very demanding of course, because of the custom high end kind of world that we're working in. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you're doing it for somebody else, it makes it that job more difficult. Mm. Um, doing it for another boss, for yeah. instance, whereas yeah. doing it yourself is better. Um, we still have the same stress at Moment Design, um, <laughs> different stress, more stress, mm-hmm. but it's better. I would never go back. Owning yeah. your own business is just so incredibly rewarding and right. Yo, I love it. <laughs> it's been well in my former former profession. Like I didn't realize, but I was I was in burnout stage. I just didn't know it. I just kept going and going and going, and. Um, and now you're right. The burnout is like, um, <laughs> it's just a little different. It's a different, yeah. It's a different, it's I don't know. Yeah, there's still the stress. Um, but there's, um, I don't know if, it's not that it's, it's more joyful. It, it's a different because I was still in, so I was a pastor for several years in Hinsdale and loved it, serving people, doing music. Like I really loved it. And now I'm doing marketing. It's sort of like, it, the way I'm serving people is just a little different. I'm still working my clients, right? Or have a boss, like I'm there to serve. And in my role at the church, I was there to serve the senior pastor and the team. And, um, but it's just a little different, different way of serving people here. And it's actually being in the, the marketplace instead of like 
the religious marketplace. I don't know how to say it, but in the church yeah, world, like it's interesting because I'm, I'm interacting with just a whole bunch of other people. So, and just, I don't know, it's, it's been really life-giving. It's been good for the, my family. And I feel like the way I can engage in my local church, uh, is, is, is new and fresh as well. So it's just different. It's like going back, it's like being a, in civilian life as some of the pastors we talk about. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Um, okay. So burnout, stress. Now I have a question here. So now, now I imagine some people you managed uh, at your last, last job at the last firm, you probably had some people working for you. Yep. So now that you are at the top uh, and those people, how are you kind of helping mitigate stress as a boss, like things that you have taken when you were an employee at the firm, how are you helping those underneath you? I'm just curious as far as... Well, I would say that's really, (laughs) to be totally honest, is Mm -hmm. that's kind of the struggle with owning your own business is not doing the same uh, faults of Mm -hmm. where you came from. Um, And... uh, some of the staff, I'm sure you could bring them in here um, from my <laughs> office right now, feel very stressed out at the office. Yeah. Um, I think that they they don't like their stress, but mm-hmm. they enjoy working for Raynette and I, and our office is kind of fun to be at as well. So different culture than yeah. the place we came from. Um, but that's definitely a place I would like to improve overall is to be able to kind of um, provide the support for my staff so they don't feel so stressed out um, with schedule and things like that. Mm-hmm. But you know we're barking up a tree here that I would say anybody that owns their own business feels these same Mm -hmm. pressures. And if you're good at your job and you're not stressed out, I can't imagine that, you know, that, um, if you're busy, you're going to have stress. And as people say, these are good things, which yes and no. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah, yeah. it's that always that balance. Um, especially this is a whole nother topic, but with like millennials and managing them, like I'm just, it's different. Oh, absolutely. It is different. Absolutely. And I have one that's a son. <laughs> so um, he's a little unique because I didn't raise him um, completely as I think millennials have been raised. Mm-hmm. So I was maybe, you know, a little less helicoptery around okay. him than yeah, some yeah. parents are. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I don't know if there is such a thing as a millennial thing that our parents would have looked at us as being useless. Um, the our parents' parents looked at that generation as being useless. Mm-hmm. There's never been a generation that looked at the kids and said, wow, these are the kids that are going to just take over the world. They're so fantastic. Yeah. You know, that every generation kind of looks at the younger generation as something wrong with them. So <laughs> the, <laughs> which, way I, the way I think of now, I'm like, I feel it, Yeah, but yeah. I know it's not true that these are good people and they're good kids. It's just that our perceptions of them is maybe <laughs> off. But. This is a parenting podcast too, by yeah, the way. There you go. <laughs> Um, so what is your favorite aspect about running your own business? Hmm. Favorite aspect? I don't know. There's a lot that I really like about moment design. Um, I would say the complete freedom control over, um, Mm. my creativity and the product. Um, I had a lot of that at my last job, but at moment design, I can really kind of do anything I need to do, um, with getting that product the way that I need it to look. It didn't have to go through any review. Um, um, so yeah, it's more just kind of creative license that I can do anything I want at our, our office. Um, and with our space too, that, um, my, our, I like our office, we're going to be re- working on a renovation here to our own office hey. really that I can, um, kind of trick out that space just for me and kind of use that as a marketing tool to show 
clients, um, unique spaces as well. So mm. yeah, that's kind of, that's the nice thing about owning your own business, doing what you want to do. There you go. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's right. No review process other than your own, I yeah, guess. Which is troublesome. What would you say is the most difficult, uh, aspect? Uh, what's surprising maybe from where you were at the firm four years ago, as, as far as difficulty of running your own business? Of staffing 100%, mm. um, being able to scale up, um, a workforce that allows Moment Design to effectively grow. When we started, uh, we thought we were going to be a little boutique firm, just right at nine, maybe some drafting help. And within you know a year, we knew we could really grow quickly, and we <laughs> thought we could have 10 people in two years, um, which technically work-wise we could, but balancing, first of all, getting those people to do that work, and then balancing managing those people takes mm -hmm. away from our ability to do architecture. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm barking up a tree here. I yeah. guess I'm sure all small businesses feel this way. Um, but it's 100% staffing is our biggest challenge. Um, getting talented people um, and kind of um, growing the company. Yeah. It's okay. We can bark up trees all day on yeah. that. Yeah. But so what, what's sort of like the dream team for you as far as, you know, you guys, you being like lead architect, but then like, who's your support staff? Like what is, walk me through an architectural firm. Who do they need to hire to actually um, get Project stuff managers or project architects, depending on uh, the kind of nomenclature. Um, so we have two of those people in our office right now that are, are fantastic. Um, you know, um, Becky and Agnes, mm -hmm. um, and then they have support staff under them as well. The problem is that we probably could use two more of those project architects, mm. um, and locating people that can actually do that work is um, challenging. They're right on the cusp of having that talent level of starting their own company. Um, mm. Those are the quality people that you need for mm. um, project architects. Um, and we've had some hiring glitches where we just got the wrong people, mm -hmm. um, and they just didn't work out. So we're kind of stymied right now that, uh, we're trying to figure out, should we grow? Should we say no to new work and just work with our staff? Mm, so yeah. it's a really precarious position. <laughs> it really is. Cause I would love to grow. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, and, and so Similar to me, as I'm really learning, I you know what the first thing I think about when I'm hiring now is culture. 100%. So I had um, so <laughs> I had a conversation with a gentleman down in, in uh, Colombia today as a VA, but he's got a marketing background, super fun, like had a great. I had another conversation with someone else in Venezuela. And it just didn't work out, <laughs> not because they're Venezuelan, but it was just like you could like at the end of the day. Where's the, do you have chemistry? And then I started asking a little bit more about the technical side of things of SEO and things like that. But it was, at, we were laughing, we were smiling. I actually started off by speaking like the three Spanish words that I know and he loved it. And so we, it was, I, I think he, he'll be a good fit. Um, but that's, that's actually been the thing so I realized. Carnitas, burrito, <laughs> Carnitas, yeah. taco. <laughs> That's right. Those are, those are the three ones you know? <laughs> yeah. Once a week. I yeah. So I realized, I, I used to think, got to get the skill set. Got to get the skill set, yeah, the education, the background. And now I'm like, actually, I need a higher culture first. Or do we just, can I, yep. can I imagine myself going on a road trip with this person? Yeah. Because uh, we're going to spend, spend some time together. And that's what I was talking about earlier, about a good architect could be right now a veterinarian. They, that 
they might have that inner eye and they can learn architecture, mm -hmm. but do they have the uh, culture and the charisma mm -hmm. to fit into that position? So I agree with you a hundred percent finding yeah. that right person that fits, fits in your office and your culture. And so I don't, we're a little loony, so I don't know if we'll ever find anybody, but <laughs> now I have, okay. So now I'm just, I have another curious question for you. So do you do most of the client facing work or does your project managers do that? Um, I do all of the upfront work. Mm -hmm. So I meet all new clients. I do our sales pitch, of sure. course. Mm -hmm. um, and I do probably 90% of all the schematic designs. Um, ultimately, as the project develops, I take more of a backseat kind of uh, call and complain to me um, role. And oh, so my okay. project managers and my partner take over from that end um, and usually meet with most clients' needs um, you know, throughout the construction process. If I had to do all of it, we would, you know, do four houses a year at best. So it's, yeah. again, that staffing up that we could do more houses if I had more people to kind of take that role, but we're working on it. Yeah. Okay. That's fascinating. Um, okay. So a lot of businesses had to pivot during the pandemic. I'm curious uh, what that's been like for you. If there's been any pivoting, any changes the way you do, you do work. Um. It was, of course, very weird to start. Um, um, thinking back to a year ago, how when the pandemic started, it was scary. Um, mm -hmm. I, I would like to say that um, I believe that COVID is indeed a danger to a lot of people, and it is extremely deadly. I never really was afraid for myself, mm -hmm. I guess, so mm -hmm. I probably didn't take it as seriously as I should have. But those first couple months was definitely creepy going to the grocery store. And yeah. There's nothing on the shelves. and Yeah. Um, we did shut our office down for a couple months. Um, I continued to come into the office. Yeah, I saw you. Yeah, me too. Um, you did as well. Um, the building was pretty much empty and I felt like, you know, being at the office was better for me work-wise than mm -hmm. working from home. I would say what we were talking about early before we started this podcast that seems psychologically a lot of people miss coming to work too. So I can yeah. totally get that feeling. Um, so yeah. Does that answer the question? Well, sure. Well, I'm curious, uh, but it, it it didn't seem like work slowed down for you. Oh, not at all. No, <laughs> no. We've only gotten busier um, over the last year, I would say. And I don't know if that's due to the market or due to our incredible talents, but uh, mm -hmm. uh, I say that in jest, of course. Yeah. People spending a lot of time at home, they're like, sure, we want a different home now or yeah. change it. <laughs> yeah. We've got a bit of a bump of people kind of coming out of the city too, because of the civil unrest down there and wanting mm -hmm. to move to the suburbs. Um, a lot of national work, um, as well off of, um, uh, Instagram. So a lot of different avenues oh, yeah. of work. But. That Instagram feed is amazing. Yeah. It's really beautiful. And it, it sounds like it gets you a lot of work. It's huh? kind of crazy for a <laughs> free platform. I shouldn't say that. Instagram might hear it and start charging. Yeah. It should. sounds like those uh, hashtags are working for you. <laughs> they do. Yeah. And all of our growth on Instagram has been organic. We've never paid extra to, you know, get more feed or more looks or mm -hmm, anything mm -hmm. like that. It's super important that the people that are clicking are people that are in architecture. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot. Okay. So we talked a lot about hiring. We talked a little bit about COVID. Um, and as a business owner, I know there's always something on your mind about what's next. Like what, what's been occupying your mind as far as your business goes and looking into the future or, I'm just curious what's in your mind. Um, I would say I've always been a worrywart with regards to um, 
economic downturn, um, mm-hmm. having lived through the last recession, mm-hmm. which was um, hard on the building industry in general. Again, we were in a custom high-end residential world that was somewhat protected from that, but we mm-hmm. took some pretty massive pay cuts. And mm-hmm. that was, those were challenging times, to be sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep thinking we are well overdue for this downturn. <laughs> when is it coming? Um, and right. I felt that way for about four years now, that especially with the way they keep lowering interest rates mm-hmm. and some other economic indicators that we're kind of um, running out of all the tools that we need to stoke the fire again if we need to. Right. Um, sort of dumping gas on a campfire kind of idea. That's mm-hmm. the way it feels to me right now. And the stock market does just the opposite of what I keep thinking it's going to do. And we keep yeah. breaking records every two weeks. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I talk to... Um, a lot of people in finance, as well as other builders, they don't have a lot of answers either. They're mm-hmm. just kind of riding this thing that yeah. it just keeps growing and growing. Um, so interesting that, but we're in a kind of a twisted market because of the type of work that we do. Yeah. So I would say if you talk to an architect that does retail right now, he's getting killed. It's yeah. got to be terrible. Yeah. You know, so or schools or yeah, <laughs> right, right. That's not getting used. Yeah, I you know. I, on a podcast recording earlier today, we were. One of the business, uh, the business I was talking to, he's like, really, my business is now going to be funding and buying other businesses or buying land or commercial property, like basically setting up a savings account. Because he says, we've printed more money in the last like six months oh, yeah. or, like yeah. than we've ever, like, so he's like, you're going to start to see the inflation, the signs of inflation. And usually that goes with commercial uh, according to him. And he says, basically, he's like, we're having, we're like having to think differently about our business as setting us up. How do we get through maybe a mini recession or a regression or something? Um, and real estate is ultimately the best thing you can kind of hold on to through those times. Yeah. You hope that always comes back. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. The debt is another one. I'm glad you brought that up that I look at our national debt. Um, just just extraordinary explosion of cash mm-hmm. printing that again seems counterintuitive that the yeah, stock market continues to go up based on kind of just the idea that we just keep printing money and creating more <laughs> debt for the millennials to pay off yeah. that we were just bad mouthing that we're going to stick yeah. with the twenty nine trillion dollar yeah I I keep thinking you know I got my last uh, stimulus ch- check you know of the last check that Trump signed <laughs> and I was like um, I don't know why I'm getting this check I didn't need it yep. And I just kept thinking my grandkids are going to have to pay this off yeah. or something. And uh, I was just like, wow. You know, so as a business owner, I'm thinking like, I would never, you know, you have to run a bit. I would never run the business like the, like we are as a, as a government. And I just got kind of concerned with all the printing of the money and, and the handing out without kind of some like threshold or something. But yeah, let alone I got a, I got a check in the mail. And I was like, it was the first check that I was like. I'm like conflicted checking, like depositing this thing. Yeah. Like it was, uh, it was, it was weird. <laughs> and you know that there was that much waste that we saw upfront individually. The corporate bailouts are mm-hmm. just astronomical. You know what the the trillion dollars that they gave to the American people is nothing to the two and a half trillion that went to the biggest corporations mm-hmm. in this country. Yeah, um, you talk about waste. Yeah, and that's ultimately that's where the stock market I think is really being propped up by the fact that that two trillion dollars that the government spent in the last bailout went to corporations mm-hmm. to prop them up. So really interesting, huh? That the stock market numbers aren't real. It's all based on continued idea that we're going to keep bailing out, um, right? Through uh, printing money, 
Where are we going with this? Thing? I don't know. So we, uh, parenting, uh, economics, <laughs> design, housing. <Yeah. laughs> um, what has, I just got a, two more questions for you. What has owning a business taught you about yourself? Uh, just that every single day, and you've heard this before, that you can learn something new, um, especially in architecture. And I, I'm a little biased, but it's like one of the hardest jobs that you can do. You have to know so many other people's business from Mm. decorators to the concrete guy. You have to know how to do all these things. And I've been doing this for 25 years and I really am learning something new every day. Um, And when you continue to stop learning, um, that's you're cooked in this business, I think. And that's um, my staff would agree too. like Mm. just crazy how every day there's something new that like, I didn't know that you have to add that to the, (laughs) to the memory banks. So yeah, I, same in the marketing world, man, it is just like, it changes because Google changes things and Facebook, you know, so you're just always on your toes. You have to, I call it the great game, great game. How do you get your clients on page one of Google and trying to figure that out in a way that won't get you penalized by Google. I lied. I actually have one more question. My question is, what what are you seeing in design right now for homes? What are, what are people wanting? <laughs> the, the double basement. Um, you know, um, big houses are still pretty traditional, but I would say there is definitely a lean to more contemporary homes. Um, the idea hmm. of the Tuscan or French home is definitely starting to wane. Hmm. Um, younger people don't have a lot of interest in mimicking um, – wealthy European life, which is good. I think architecturally speaking, it's kind of a failure that we're mimicking ancient Grecian forms on buildings. It just makes (laughs) no sense. Um, So as an architect, I like thinking a little bit more forward Mm -hmm. and our houses, uh, most of them have a traditional idea or form to them with more contemporary components. And most importantly, within our houses, we're creating Um, moments within those houses and on the exteriors. And that's not kind of a play on words. That's a real architectural term is just having someone pause to consider our architecture. Mm -hmm. Um, You've done it. Oh, several times. So that's a win for us. If we could just get you to think, you don't even have to like it necessarily, Mm -hmm. but just pause and have a moment. Mm -hmm. And when you live in one of our houses, um, we get this from clients all the time. I had no idea it was going to be like this living Mm -hmm. in this house and having um, these windows lined up in this way that I get this framed view every day and mm. um, super important stuff. So I've noticed that, man, you guys got like lots of windows in your homes. Yeah, so it's you could, like a contemporary idea. Yeah. You could uh, see right through them. I love it. See right through them. It's like at about 630 at Hinsdale, if you go on a walk when the weather's nice, everyone has all the lights on. You can see, yeah. you know, see through the homes and see the beautiful. And that's not for everybody. And we balance that out, mm-hmm. but that, um, what do you call that when you like looking in people's houses? There, it's a sickness for most people, but most architects like voyeurs. <laughs> it, it's architectural voyeur, voyeurism. Yeah, uh-huh. That in the winter time, when you're driving down the street and you look into an open window, and there's a family, um, you know, having dinner in there, and mm-hmm. how what an intimate snapshot that is of a house and a family and the people that live there, and how warm that feels. And mm-hmm. that's really what we're trying to capture yeah. with those big windows on houses. It's not just being you know avant garde or crazy yeah. glass that. We're letting people peek into kind of the the, the soul of the house mm-hmm. and the people that live there. So, Okay, I have another question now. I'm so sorry it to is. the listeners here. So uh, contemporary and modern, two different things. Yeah. Okay, so modern. Modern already happened. Yeah, modern. <laughs> so. 
Good. Okay. Because I think of modern house like contemporary, because contemporary is always changing, I would imagine. That's right. Yeah. It's just- And a, modern is sort of, it's happened. It's an architectural style. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you could continue to do modern houses, but that was a time, um, and modernism may have started in the 1920s um, mm-hmm. with the works of- um, you know, Frank Lloyd Wright technically was yeah. a modernist. Oh, now, you, if you look at his houses, I've had people say, you know, oh, it looks like something in the 70s. And well, yeah, it's because it was 1890 when he did that. That's like, that's modern. Yeah. Um, but that said, modern is a style. Contemporary is more kind of a modern twist on traditional, I guess, would be the best way yeah. of doing that. Okay, that's helpful. There's still modern being created. But. Well, I, you, you built, I would consider maybe a modern house, modern slash contemporary house in Hinsdale. It's not too far from, uh, I know because it's on your Instagram feed, and I know you build thousands oh, of Hickory. houses. So yeah, I think it's on Hickory. Mm-hmm. Love it. It's almost like two separate. Super Napa, like feels like one country. Kind yeah, of I mean, it is cool. Yeah. It is really cool. It's probably one of my favorite houses. That's like the idea of architecture for me, that we've captured the idea of a house, um, but it's different. And it is has the idea of modern to it. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we see modern houses stuck into neighborhoods and they are literally a middle finger to the neighborhood <laughs> in its context. That's poor architecture. Yeah. Yeah. White stucco, silver windows, mm-hmm. flat roof, just like, ugh. Yeah. And that might look good out in the woods, but it looks really bad in a neighborhood. Yeah. So that house, actually, we kind of wrestled with what to do. The client wanted a modern house. Mm. So that's how we came up with it. It's idea. something that's not a middle finger to uh, the neighbors. Yeah. yeah. And we did get some blowback on that house. The neighbors still weren't happy about it, but you know what? It's okay now. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like you get used well, to it. Well, it's America. You can buy a plot of land and. <laughs> Some but degree. I don't think it sticks out. I think it sticks out in a really beautiful way, okay. actually. Um, not in a way that's like contemptuous. <laughs> um, okay. So, all right. My last question then is, so if there was a student from Hinsdale Central that was interested in design architecture, what should he be, he or she be doing now? What should they be thinking about is focusing on in college. I mean, I know they have a lot, colleges have a lot of combined programs these days, but like maybe as a high school student, what should they be thinking about? What should they be learning, doing? What advice would you have for them? It depends on what they want to do with their lives. Um, most architects, um, probably 90% in our profession do zero design every day. Um, they work for big companies in the city and they uh, manage their department that arranges bathrooms in, you know, um, office buildings or mm. something. That's the 90% of architecture in the world is um, dealing with handicap accessible codes and energy codes and kind of the technical end of it. Some people kind of really like that. Mm-hmm. Easy to study for, easy to get very good at. Um, the design aspect that I was hinting at earlier, if you're really interested in that, um, there aren't a lot of good designers, globally speaking. Again, mm-hmm. when I Look, think about the buildings you go by every day. Um, the best office building you've seen, there aren't many. And they're all done by architects that went to college and supposedly love architecture. And I don't see a lot of great architecture going up mm. out there. So that's telling us that there are a lot of architects. There's not a lot of great designers out there. So mm. if you really want to become that architect, you have to focus on art, uh, the art end of architecture. Um And that is harder to study for. And that's harder to get good grades at because it's subjective. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which is the, it's like uh, the difference between literature and poetry. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that, that top end of architectural designers are the poets of our industry. Um, 
I don't consider myself one of those either by a long shot. I look at other people's work and um, at that level and just like, wow, they're, they've really thought this through and this is yeah. beautiful or interesting. So um, if you're interested in that, focus on the art end of it um, and staying creative and um, kind of wacky and unique, thinking <laughs> from things from a different perspective. Yeah. Well, I think I, you know, don't sell yourself short. I think you are a bit of a poet in that. Uh, just the fact that just Susan and I walking around, we recognize beauty. I mean, there's a lot of beautiful homes, Good. but there's like, um, you, you have a unique style in that. And okay. so, uh, We're trying. yeah, I think Every you're, day, I'm working hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, where can, um, well, first of all, thanks for joining me. This was thanks really fun. Yeah. yeah um, how can people get to know more about you, Moment Design? Where can they go? Website? Instagram feed. You remember those? <laughs> yeah, we do have uh, momentdesign.net, which I was told when we started our company was the kiss of death for a corporation having a .net on the web, wow. which of course is totally bogus because yeah. our website is, it's there for you to look at some things that are done. But I would say uh, by far, Instagram is the place to really kind of look at things that we're doing day to day and the freshest work. Um, the other nice thing about Instagram is it gives you, we always link people that are also responsible for those projects. Mm -hmm. I know you're tagging people yeah. on that. Yeah. Which again is kind of building those relationships and yeah. community of designers and builders that are, are talented as well. So, well, you know, that's interesting because I went on your website. I did, there wasn't too much information outside yeah. of contact information, but like your Instagram page is like your sales page. Yeah. Like that is like, it's gone it's really, crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. really great. <laughs> and I'm not a, was not an early adopter. I always believed in it and I had, um, worked on it with our my uh, managing partner, Raynette. Mm -hmm. But I don't get it 100%, but I use it. Yeah. So I think it's just because I'm older, maybe. It just doesn't resonate well with me, but I don't know. Yeah. do you use it? I've slowly stopped using Instagram. Oh. Uh, probably because of the... What I do isn't really Instagram. For, now, yeah, like, you're, like you're... So we uh, uh, just signed a, a fence company of all people. We're going to make them the top fence company in Chicago here oh, in these cool. next couple of years. Yeah. Bespoke fence. And, um, they, uh, they do custom fences and, uh, and my, uh, friend who, who, who actually brought the client over to me, uh, he's been doing a lot of video for them and Instagram and things like that. But for fences that are high in fences, something that's very visual, Instagram is like pretty awesome yeah, for it. It does make sense. Yeah. So we're going to lean into video. At the end of the day, I believe whoever uses the most video will win. And especially in these, uh, the industries that are so visual, like architecture, fences and things like that, because people want to see the product before they buy it at the, at the end of the day. So for me as marketing, yeah, I don't use a lot of Instagram, yeah. but um, YouTube, um, things that are search, creating content around search intent and things like that. And, uh, you know, a little bit of this podcast is just getting to know the other businesses in my neighborhood in Hinsdale. And because Mike, just on my block alone, um, there was, um, there's a couple people who own their own businesses, like either family owned or whatever, oh, sure. like, absolutely, like manufacturing, food. Uh, there's even someone, um, used to, uh, be one of the founding groups of Groupon. I mean, I mean, just like these amazing stories. Even the neighbor across the street, former CFO at T-Mobile. Like, like I'm like amazing stories. That and so I was like, I need to start interviewing because because <laughs> there's even even business owners that are. I'm going to have um, just uh, local businesses at the end of the bricks and mortar. So, uh, like that's my goal. And I think at the end of the day is like 
as business owners and entrepreneurs, we have a lot to learn from each other. But I, I think even with COVID, as we kind of like uh, we've hibernated <laughs> for so long, like it's good for us to actually know our neighbors. So the goal of this podcast is for people in Hinsdale to get to know the businesses and the business owners in Hinsdale. Because I think businesses, they obviously exist to solve problems, but we kind of have like a town full of problem solvers. I think that's really interesting to me to kind of know what, how they actually go about solving people's problems every day and people are willing to pay them for it. You know, I just, you know, that's kind of the beauty of capitalism (laughs) and that, right? Okay. So, all right, folks, well, you got a good dose of parenting advice, uh, economics and design architecture. Government debt. (laughs) Government (laughs) debt on this podcast. uh, (laughs) USdebtclock.org. If you've ever wanted to see the craziest website, I visit it. I'm not kidding. At least once a quarter. It's keeping a running tally of all debt in the country and globally, actually. So USdebtclock.org is the coolest website. If you want to see something really depressing. Maybe I can, (laughs) you know, I'll, I'll turn it I'll make it a challenge. I'll ask my uh, seven-year-old girls uh, if they could count the zeros. <laughs> yeah. What, what does and then what's the number? trillion mean? Yeah. Uh, all right, folks. Thanks for listening. If you found this conversation useful, subscribe to the podcast. Share it with one of your Hinsdale neighbors. And please join me again next time for the Hinsdale Local Podcast.